Are you one of the many digital nomads working on a shared workspace? In this episode, we've got top tips for surviving and thriving in an open environment. Let's get into it. Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Tech Drops with Timbot and Brian. On this episode, uh, we're talking about shared workspaces. So... If you uh, if you aren't aware of it, uh, we are based in downtown Toronto, where space is kind of at a premium. Uh, it's also a place where a lot of people work in remote working situations, and that kind of thing. Um, so shared workspaces have become kind of a thing, I would say. Yeah. So we're currently sitting in you know the shared space that we talk about the most probably, which is the maker space. Right above us is the Center for Social Innovation, which is like kind of an entire building um, based on on co-working and shared spaces and, you know, temporary shared workspaces. Uh, so we thought since this is a bit of a trend and a lot of people who work in tech are making use of it, we could talk about uh, some of the etiquette in the shared workspace and, um, you know, how do you, how do you successfully make use of a shared workspace or how do you even decide if it's for you um so i'll kick it off if you don't mind yeah let's 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 start with you i thought uh i mean i have thoughts on this because like it's been a hot topic amongst developers developers um you know frequently work remotely or they work in temporary situations. I mean, we're kind of in a gig-based economy, and developers will bounce from one place to another quite a bit. You see them in the coffee shops. You know, there's a good chance. You know, anytime you go into a Starbucks, somebody's at their laptop for an hour or more. There's a good chance it might be a developer working away there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, a um, couple of things. Couple of things that are sort of like generally known in development circles. The uh, one is that I'll mention is the headphone rule, right? So some time ago, the trend became to have open workspaces. So we sort of got away from having like cubicles or, or pods as they're called and everything became kind of open, which is a mixed blessing, I would say, for a programmer. <laughs> Just because like there are times when you do kind of need to disengage from active conversation like you need to put in a stretch of time where you're just sort of like thinking and and diving deep into what you're doing and the open concept doesn't really support that so well you know what i mean yeah like the focus or as you say the uh, the switching cost like yeah. you know there's one for socializing as well you yeah. know you get pulled into a conversation you lose that train of thought that could have made yeah hours work you know very simple that's exactly right. Now, on the other hand, uh, it's probably also not ideal to be completely isolated either. You know, this is why the, the whole cubicle situation didn't work out that well either, because, you know, programmers will sort of get lost in their, in their thinking in that situation quite often. Um, so, the, so the good situation is to have like you know, speaking from personal experience, like, uh, you know, people might have different opinions on this, but I find a lot of programmers, the perfect situation is to have activity around you, but not have that activity necessarily distracting you, right? Like, like there's enough ambience 
that that you're not getting lost in your thoughts. Yeah. But you can still concentrate on what you're doing. Yeah, you don't so, feel lonely. Yeah, like there's the right level of distraction. Things are going on around you, but they you don't necessarily have to engage with them. Yeah. And that's where the headphone rule comes in, right? So um, there's kind of this un- unspoken rule amongst developers that if headphones are on, you don't interrupt that person. You know, so now they can plunk themselves down. They can be in the open concept area, um, but it, it, it's not like you don't hear someone talking to you when you've got those headphones on. Mm-hmm. Like you're usually not blasting music through them or anything like that. It's a signal, and you'll notice like a lot of developers wear like noticeable headphones. You know what I mean? Big like they loud. have like the over ear. Uh, yeah. You know, headphones like you, you typically don't see them just with like earbuds. I mean, some do for sure. But I feel like with a lot of developers, they want those headphones to be noticeable yeah. because it's a signal like I'm working. Yeah. You know, see don't these like, beats do on your ears. thing. Don't expect me to respond to you while these are on because I'm doing my thing. My yeah. thing is like just using the gray matter and the tips of my fingers to tap keys (laughs) you know what i mean like nobody would walk up to somebody who's for instance like operating a table saw and like just walk in on them and be like hey let me uh let me chat with you here while you're using this tool you know yeah because it's so obvious that they're working but if what you do on a computer looks like you know, the the same thing everyone else looks like when they're using a computer. It's not that obvious. Mm-hmm. And so for a developer, being able to send a signal like that with with dropping on the, the big headphones um, is a pretty strong way of sending it out there. Yeah, yeah. It sets the tone. And uh, like I'm sure the one ear off means I'm working, but I'm trying to be a little bit more present with y'all. Right. Yeah. Right. It's, and. I feel they grabbed this idea from the college dorm room sock on the doorknob etiquette. <laughs> and this, when this socks on the door, the ultimate shared space, the <laughs> ultimate example of shared and accommodating space. Yes, oh, respect man. the sock, respect the headphones. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, certain conventions that people just learn over time. That's right. It's like nobody is writing this stuff down and saying this is the rule, but you just sort of like pick it up as you go yeah it's just like a norm of the space and what do you think is like another good tip of getting along in a shared workspace brian uh i always like the people who have their unique mugs Mm. the ones that are clearly theirs ah yeah you know like they're the ones that are least likely to be piling up the dishes right right Yeah. yeah I always feel bad when I take that mug, you know? You should. Yeah. Like, (laughs) like if I'm in this space and there's a mug that says world's greatest dad or something, and I'm like, "Mm, uh, but it's the last clean one. uh, I really don't want to do dishes. Just put your thumb over the dad part. World's greatest something. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, I'm, you know, I'm drinking someone's self-esteem right now. This is... (laughs) This is terrible what I'm doing. Yeah. I feel a little bit of like a marauder. Um, but there's the ambiguity. So like as long as I sort of like get it back into the dish rack in time, no one will really know. No one will know. You but know. yeah, we, at, you know, with the CSI kind of shared kitchen, like we yeah. see the way that the dishes just pile up. 
Yeah, you know, this is like, this is human nature, right? Tis. Like, I, I guess it's, uh, what is, what's it called? It's um, uh, like diffusion of responsibility, basically, mm-hmm. where like you're in this group and everyone in the group sort of assumes that someone's going to look after that. And that someone doesn't need to be them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that can get super annoying. It's kind of one of the strange, like you would think with having more hands around and more people around, those kind of things would get done a lot easier. Yeah, two hands to one mug, like yeah. it's a good ratio. But yeah. once, uh, what, 20 hands have left, you know, 20, wait, 10 mugs. Oh man, the math. So many hands. <laughs> so many hands. So many mugs. So many mugs. Go look at the sink. <laughs> We're in trouble. <laughs> It's it's kind of a strange paradox, though, isn't it? Like, the the more people involved, the less likely that someone's going to stand up and take responsibility for things in a shared space. That's right. Yeah, it's too bad because I think the uh, the spirit is there and, like, the, the hope is yeah. there. But um, in, in practice, you know, like, the, the good Samaritan who does all the dishes that one time yeah. uh, is going to feel entitled to not have to do that another time. I think it also depends a lot on um, kind of the vibe of the shared space right because there are shared spaces that are just purely about coming in and getting work done Mm -hmm. and um i don't mind that actually like that's that's not a bad way to go now there are other shared spaces that are you know very much uh trying to define a culture and a community and so forth i would lump csi into that um, you know, they, they have a lot of events and so forth that are basically there to get people interacting and, and sort of busting out of their shell and not just focusing on the work that they have to do. Now, I compare that with um, other, well, let's see, another popular shared space, I guess, WeWork, you know, very different kind of vibe. If yeah, I've never ever, been there, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's uh, it's not for me, really. I like something sort of in between these two things where there's like good opportunities for interaction. Like the headphones come off sometimes. Yeah, yeah. you know, like I guess that's it, right? Like the, the developer in me is like, let me pick and choose where I want to interact or not mm-hmm. um, because there's times when that's going to get in the way of doing what I need to do. But there's other times when it's really going to help it. It's going to give me the necessary distraction. That sounds like super selfish. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, let me decide when humans will approach me kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but but a it's bottom really line, just like a practical fine. thing. Yeah, it's fine to have a, a practical bottom line. And I think that's what these types of workspaces like allow for. Yeah. The problem comes when there isn't a way to communicate it. Mm-hmm. You know, like if there is no headphone rule in a space, no way to say, you know, this is the mode I'm in, uh, respect that, yeah. then that's where you run into problems because that's where you get like miscommunications and, and so forth. Right. The other uh, the other tip that I think is kind of useful in any kind of shared workspace. I mean, I guess we all experience shared workspace to a degree with school. Right. From a young age, that is kind of what's going on there. You're all in a classroom together. Um, And I think uh, it's important to, you know, develop the skills to be able to work in a a dynamic like that. 
and not even work, but just like interact in a dynamic with other people moving around and doing things and mm-hmm. so forth. Um, when I first started working and I didn't know anybody on the job, one of the little things I did was just making use of the stuff on my desk. And uh, <clears throat> so I had this incredible Hulk lunchbox. Oh, good choice. Yeah, my friend gave it to me when I graduated, right? And I would carry like my little extra hard drive and stuff like that in it. Okay. And I would just put it on the corner of my desk and people going by would be like, oh, that's really cool. I like that. And so it would speak for me uh-huh. because I was nervous and I didn't really know how to talk to people or something. It would initiate a conversation for me, even uh-huh. if it's just a very short one. Yeah. And then eventually um, I started putting some of my drawings around it and so forth. Um, because I felt a little bit more encouraged. Uh, I remember the first time, because like prior to that, I had this job where I worked in financial services, just like data entry stuff. And oh my God, Brian, like it was so boring, dude. It was incredible. It was the kind of job like you could learn it in five minutes and it would be the same every day. The entire time... Mm. When I look back on it, the entire time feels like just one day, one oh. really long day, because it was the exact same routine every day. Mm. And so one of the coping things, uh, mechanisms I used to use in that space, um, which is like kind of like semi-shared space, it's like pods, mm-hmm. um, was drawing pictures, you know, doodling, and uh, like I've always enjoyed drawing and sketching and stuff, um, you know, but I always had to like hide that stuff because it's not really what I'm supposed to be doing, but it's a coping mechanism. (laughs) And then uh, that and and crank calls. But that's another show. Uh, More details, please. uh, The the thing is, when I started working in the creative industry, I still had that instinct of like hiding my drawings and stuff. And I remember, uh, you know, two weeks into the job, and my supervisor coming by, and I started to, like, shove my, my drawings away. And he was like, well, let me check that out. And I was like, oh, he's going to be on me for, like, wasting time and stuff. And I, like, I showed it to him, and he was like, this is awesome. This is what we need. And they put me on, like, drawing characters for the next campaign. Because, oh, what? Oh, yeah, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like I drew a series of characters, yeah, yeah for, the, for the next ad campaign. That's like the did. Robin Williams role where he's the teacher, and he's like, no express yourself but a uh, total curveball like they actually yeah. putting it on a campaign i thought it'd yeah. be like yeah no, it, yeah that's sick it was uh like that's when i knew that i i had taken a turn for the better in my career direction yeah. <laughs> so, like yeah. the things that would have got me in trouble before are actually highly valued here now right on you know another one was like storytelling class in college i mentioned this on a previous episode yeah and, like I I did a complete about face from thinking that that class was going to be kind of worthless to really seeing it as like one of the most valuable classes that I took. All the technical stuff I learned in school very quickly went out of, you know, like it, it became obsolete. Storytelling never becomes obsolete. It's right. It is always a useful skill to mm-hmm. have. And coincidentally, I feel like one of the skills that can help you out quite a lot in the shared workspace, you know? 
is uh, having a good kind of story. Yeah. For the it, small talk, right? Exactly. For the small talk exactly. of the workspace. It's a big thing, you oh, know? That's such a good point. It's really important. And, and you can take anything and, and it becomes an interesting story. Yeah. And, you know, people who are able to practice narrative, like, I feel like a lot of people come to a shared workspace for the ability to practice interaction like that. Yeah, I'm sure at a subconscious level, like, yeah, it's not intentional, but it's just like they see the benefit of just being around others and, mm-hmm. and then practice yeah. their skills and like, yeah, and make make attempts in yeah. those like, because the moments are kind of few and far between in a way. It's if strange. You, yeah, it? you do your work, but then there's those moments and maybe you don't seize the chance to talk to someone you're interested in talking to, but then the next day you're like, you create that moment. Yeah. And you remember, yeah, you keep at the front of your head something cool you may have done. Yeah. Or any little like story, any little anecdote or something like that. Yeah. Like um, when I was, you know, working on overcoming shyness, working on overcoming like... Uh, you were shy? Reticent. Yeah, very, very much so, yeah. <laughs> when I When I was a kid, I had a speech impediment. I remember you mentioning that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I always was very, very quiet. And yep. uh, um, so it took a bit of work to to get over it. Um, and one of the little things that I did um, to, to get better at interacting with others was, uh, it, sounds, it sounds dumb, but it's a cool little tip. I bet if you try it out, uh, you, you would get some pretty interesting results. It's like the, the person that you come in contact with you just start things off by saying, I noticed something about you. Ah. Right? Like, I would have no idea what the next sentence would be. <laughs> you okay. know what I oh, mean? Okay. Just like starting it off by saying, I noticed something about you. Like, that's a fascinating statement for anyone to hear. Yeah, well, they definitely, you know, they pick like all ears. It's just like, oh, yeah. cool. me? Yeah. Talking about, okay, right? Like, like, let's hear like, it. You don't know what's coming next from that. And it's like... When I even when I would say it, I really would have no idea where I'm going with this conversation. <laughs> but you'll find something yeah. in the moment, you know. When that when you've got that person's interest, you definitely will notice something unique about them. And then it's very simple to just say that afterwards. Definitely gonna you know? borrow that. That's it can be as liner. it can be as you know, like oh, your your glasses look like. Uh, Woody Allen's or something. Yeah. Like. It can be anything come out of your face after that, but you're going to have a good conversation. It's yeah. going to be interesting. Because they'll either agree or disagree. Well, like they'll just be like, they're, they're ready to engage. It's yeah. not like, that's very, un, that's not a passive observation. Yeah. You know, and, something. and like building that kind of skill later on became really useful in pitch meetings. It became really useful. And, um, you know, like I, I would still use that trick when I went into like, pitch something to Sony or like VPs of companies. Wow. Like I've noticed something about your, you know, your last campaign. Is right. It like kind of, yeah. You know, I get you, I get yeah. You. Campaign or even they themselves. Right. It, it works equally well either way, <laughs> you know. That's brave. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it, but it's kind of one of the ways that you can learn to negotiate shared space and and be able to navigate and be successful in it and make people feel at ease with you and yeah you know make their day better right you know like make it a refreshing experience that they kind of want to see you in their space again (laughs) yeah yeah that's that's good that that is a skill and it's like something to practice yeah great environments for it we were talking uh in the pre-show with jt a few weeks ago Mm -hmm. 
Um, I have a friend who is, uh, he works in, in video production. Um, he frequently will, will be the director and he's really good at this stuff. And uh, I noticed one of the things that he does, I don't know if he does it consciously, but I consciously noticed it, <laughs> is that when he comes on to a new set into a new area, he will immediately start asking people to do things that they're already doing. I feel right? like I've heard of this tactic before. Is this it's, uh, I don't know if it's like a conscious thing, but he does it really, really well. So for instance, like if I'm him and I come onto this set and you're going to get coffee for people, be like, hey, can you grab some coffees for people? Uh, you know, like maybe just check what, what people need and so forth. And like for you, it's like, I'm already doing it's like, it. Well, you're already doing it. So it's like, yeah, 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 sure. Yeah. But you are now getting in the habit of doing what he's asking. Yeah. Following for. instructions. And yeah. Like, well, cool. That was easy. Yeah. But and then the next ask. That's, and the thing is like, you get the praise from it that yep. you weren't expecting and so forth. But at some point there'll be a little bit of something that you're not already doing mm -hmm. that he needs you to do. Yeah. Now there's two effects to this. Like the first is that you're going to feel more collaborative and more cooperative when that request comes along because you've gotten in the habit of doing it. Yep. But the second thing is every onlooker is now feeling like he's the guy who gets stuff done. <laughs> right? Because they see him saying this and stuff's Stuff's happening. happening. The stuff he asked for yep. is happening. And so in no time flat, people are like, oh, ask so-and-so, you know? He, he's oh, the guy. okay. Yeah. And uh, it's a really, really successful technique for him. And the thing is, like, I don't feel like it's a manipulation kind of thing. No. It's just successfully, you know, like like social skills. There's a reason they're called skills. <laughs> Like they can be developed. Something to be developed and practiced. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like any other skill. And it's a really important one. Um, and so, again, you know, I, I feel like if you are working in a shared space like that, one of the benefits is developing those social skills. Yep. And if you don't really take advantage of that, eh, maybe you're not getting everything that you can get out of uh, the opportunity. That's right. You know, maybe, yeah. maybe it's not for you. Maybe, for, and, and it's not for some people. Some people prefer to work from home or they prefer to work in like very structured office. Yeah, uh, or controlled environments of the home or like, yeah, like a more regimented, predictable space. Yeah. Um, I found uh, body language is a thing that I've learned to adjust within myself, mm -hmm. um, like in shared workspaces. Because, um, yeah, people will kind of expect of you like a certain way that you carry yourself. And even maybe if you're tired, you're not necessarily low or feeling like less good. But like if you're just if your body language is different, people mm. may notice. Yeah. Or they may say, I noticed something about you today. And then I'm like, <laughs> what is going on? And, you know, just kind of, yeah, checking um, mm -hmm. the faces that you naturally make. You know, do you have resting bitch face? Because, like, I find yeah, I can yeah. get that way and it doesn't reflect how I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah. just to keep my brain sharp and, you know, a little self-aware, I think is actually, like, a, a real benefit. It definitely is, man. Uh, and, it, like... Quite frankly, I feel like you do it really well, Brian. Um, Hide like, all the pain. <laughs> well, you know, like uh, they, it can be frustrating teaching kids sometimes. Yes. And, um, you know, be, being able to negotiate that and, um, you know, make sure that they have a good time, that 
that parents are happy and mm-hmm. they're actually learning something. And to not look irritated is is for sure a skill that I'm, yeah. I feel like I've, I've honed. Yeah, yeah. And because c- kids will pick up on that so fast. That's right. They're they're very sensitive to to displeasure from their authority figures. I yes. Would say. Um, so yeah, I mean that's that's another great avenue for developing those skills mm-hmm. for sure any downsides to uh to working in a shared environment like that brian uh, anything sh- that kind of grinds your gears i mean um i mean i've i've had to i mean my own sensitivities to um like repetitive noises or knee bouncing you mm. know like little things like that i've, I've really um put a curb on like things that used to sort of affect me don't bother me as much because just the past four years with school and with, uh, you know, the kind of CSI environment and, and just all the different kind of youth programs that I've done, it's really kind of, uh, yeah, rolled off the edges and turned down the volume on things that would mm. normally irritate me. Yeah. But I, I'd still must say that, um, yeah, be prepared to, uh, tolerate people's nuances yeah. and, uh, oh, man. and to potentially resent them for it. If you're lower on energy or having a, a, a rougher day like you can be more sensitive to these things that really shouldn't bother you um, very true and that's the same with any public environment but because it's a shared workspace there's this sort of why can't it just be everyone you know accommodating each other and you start to it's easy to resent people for very little things um, yes. if you don't check yourself so it's kind of like an ego thing in it's a way true. You know, it's check your true. own ego but also be self-aware if yeah. you have annoying quirks Check them if possible. If possible. If possible, and and, yeah, and if not, like, yeah, people should be able to look past and uh, and accept your your work style, and you can always put on the headphones, right? It's right. it's helpful. Yeah, I think for me, the downside is probably um, slowness. Sometimes, like, getting consensus among people before you can do something can be a really slow process, and when I'm ready to go like when i've got an action plan i want to do it i don't want any slowdowns yeah i want to just do it and um so learning to recognize that that you know having other people around provides a lot of benefits but it also means more process and more consensus yeah more cooks in the kitchen yeah yeah that is probably the big challenge, yep. uh, I would say. But all in all, um, I feel like it's a pretty good thing to try out. Uh, I feel like more and more places are going to this kind of a model, whether it's like internally inside their organization or just like not having their own space, just doing things out of shared workspaces. Like they pop up all over the place in downtown Toronto, lots of other cities they've appeared in as well. Even smaller towns are starting to get into it. Yeah. Um, There's no doubt that they work, that they yeah. are of benefit. Like the lack of overhead alone is like uh, the most obvious draw, but uh, yeah. just the social aspects haven't been fully examined, but are definitely proving themselves for people. Because yep. the people are, businesses are thriving in yep. these environments. And you're not stuck to just one. Correct. If you yeah. are in one and it's not working for you, Try another one. Or go they, to, they have their own flavors. Yeah, their own flavors and like their own, or just you know, hit the coffee. They have their own different. Yeah, different yeah, cafes. Exactly. That's your your backup. It's like a gym, right? People change what gym they go to just to get a fresh boost of 
enthusiasm yep. from being in a new place. So yeah. it's another big benefit of it, I would say. Yeah. I feel like we've passed along uh, some pretty good tips here tonight, Brian. Yeah, and uh, you know I've absorbed uh, a lot of perspective, and uh, yeah, I, th- I think the uh, the ideas are out there, and they're in communal environments for sure. Indeed. Yeah, it's always a pleasure uh, having you on the show here. Oh, always a pleasure to be a guest. Outstanding. Yeah. So we've got a quite a quite a few more shows in the lineup. Uh, We'll wind up this one here, and as always, I just want to give a little plug and mention to people that uh, if you like what you're hearing on the show, and you have some ideas or questions yourself, and you've got the Anchor FM app, you can hit that button and record a question for us. We'll even play it on the show. So if you'd like to uh, ask anything of Brian, myself, or any of the guests that we've had on the show, be it JT or Kyle or Ronnie or any of the others, uh, happy to hear them. And uh, don't forget, you can always listen to the back episodes if this is your first episode and get to know these people that we're talking about and the skill sets they bring to the show that keeps you up to date with technology. So for myself, Timbot, and for Brian, we will bid you good evening and we'll catch you on the next one.